Hey, this is Kathleen. And when I'm not unfucking businesses here on the podcast, I'm unfucking real estate over at ysaintpete.com. My company is Sighty Realty, and we are excited to sponsor this episode. What's up, unfuckers? This is Siobhan Colleen from Industry Explorers. You're listening to Unfuck My Business. No bullshit advice for business owners who want to be resilient as fuck. Without any further a-fuck-a-doodle-do, here are your hosts. And we're back with another episode of Unfuck My Business, the podcast. Uh, and of course, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Robin Sales. And say hi, Robin. Hello. Today's going to be a fun one because this is the kind of shit I like to bitch about all the time. <laughs> Don't I know it. <laughs> Our topic today is going to be unfuck your website and Lord have mercy. Some of you need help with your website desperately. The thing is, I think everyone who ends up with a bad website, typically they start out with good intentions, right? Uh, but then they run into a series of problems. A, they don't understand how to construct a good website from a technical perspective. So they're reliant on third parties and the quality of those third parties may vary wildly. B, they're not really sure what the purpose of the website is in their business. And that may seem counterintuitive, but believe me, I have a lot of clients that I've dealt with in the past who just fundamentally thought of the website as a brochure rather than an actual business platform. <laughs> and, you know, that's just the wrong approach to take. And then C, like, you know, uh, knowing how to actually plan effectively to get the kind of website that you need. And, and I want to kind of start there because this is something that I've seen a ton of times. I will have people come in and be like, hey, Chris, we want you to build us a website. And I'll be like, okay. And they're like, and we want it to have a slider on the homepage. And we want it to have a, and, and I'm just like, internally, I'm like, okay, please stop telling me what the fuck to do because I know how to do this and you don't. So starting with planning for the website, we have to fundamentally start with the most important question about that website is what's the business goal of it? Yeah. The idea of the brochure is a, you know, like that's a common thing because people can wrap their heads around that, right? They carry it over from their experience with print collateral in the past and they're like, oh, okay. This is going to get handed out to people and then maybe they'll call me or something, you know, but fundamentally, you know, the goal of the website is to drive revenue, right? And so if you're not fundamentally building the entire website around creating new business, new conversions, getting people in the door with the easiest and best way to do business with you, it's already fundamentally failed. And we talk about that with content strategy stuff a lot. And I know you've got a ton of experience here. So tell me a little bit about your encounters with clients who don't understand content strategy. There's two questions I ask all the time. And I'm on, I think what's going to be interesting about this conversation today is I'm on the other side of the coin, right? So Chris is the person you go to to say, I need you to build me a website, you know, <laughs> who's actually going to build it, who's going to create the visual experience, if you will. I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm the person you should have gone to before you went to Chris. True story. <laughs> but many people don't. And so people like Chris end up sending you back to me to say, you don't know what the fuck you want and you don't know who the fuck you're talking to. So go figure that out and then come back to me and I'll build you a website, right? So I'm the person that helps people figure out who the fuck are you talking to and what the fuck do you want, right? <laughs> and so the two questions I ask everybody is, 
what role does this website play in your business? And then if they can't answer that question, question number two is, do you want a website because it's going to fill a part of the experience? Do you want a website because you think you're supposed to have a website, right? And especially in this digital age, websites have become ubiquitous. Everyone thinks they're supposed to have a website. Everyone thinks the website is the first thing that they need. And it may not be that you don't need a website. It may be that you don't need a website yet, right? And so understanding the role that the website plays in your overall brand story, in the overall client experience is hugely important. And I'll give a couple of quick examples. In my case, my website is sort of like a brochure because the things that I do are not self-service. It's a very intimate experience working with me. It's the kind of thing where you have to be socialized to me for a little bit before you realize I'm the person who can help you and that you're ready. So it is extremely rare that someone goes to my website and clicks a buy button without any interaction from me in between. So my website is kind of like a fancy digital brochure. It's social proof. It's the thing that you go show your bosses (laughs) or you go show somebody else you know, when you've already decided that you want to hire me, right? When you've seen me somewhere and you've decided you want to hire me, my website is the thing that proves to you that I'm a real, a real legit person. And I've done this before, you know, and other people have paid for the services and been satisfied. So my website functions as that. And it's important for me to know that because then I'm not going to waste money on bells and whistles and e-commerce platforms and bullshit. That's not going to help me because nobody's ever going to use my website in that way. So true. It's funny because I guess there's sort of a checklist of, you know, how can I tell that my website is fucked, right? And and the very, very first thing on that checklist is it isn't achieving a clear business goal, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that business goal may be. And I like to joke that there's a number of rules. There are a number of rules about website building, which are absolutely inviolable, except in all the exceptions. And that's, that's exactly, there's always exceptions. That's exactly one of those situations. I mean, if what your business needs is social proof or, or whatever, then sometimes that's all it needs to be. I've seen some really, really great examples of one page websites for people who are personalities of a various type, for instance, right? They're an author or something along that line. And their one page website has a great picture of them, a bio, links to where to buy their book, links to how to contact them to book them for speaking about the book, right? And that's it. That's all it needs. That's all you need. And it doesn't need multiple pages. It doesn't need any of the rest of those things. If it solves the business case, then, then you're good to go. But ways that you know your website is fucked. A, it's not achieving your business goals. B, it's not ranking for anything from an SEO perspective, right? When you search specifically for your stuff, you're having a hard time finding it. C, it's poor. It loads slowly and performs poorly. And typically, this is because uh, D, you've filled it up with shit you don't need. (laughs) Now, I'm going to talk to a lot of you business owners out there. You'll know who you are you have a clear picture of what you want your website to be like. And you know what your favorite kinds of design and aesthetics are. And you fundamentally feel like that website is a reflection of you personally. And so you need to get your hands deep into the design and layout and functionality space. Please shut the fuck up and sit down. Your website isn't for you. 
your websites for your customers. And if you are building a vanity website, then it's only going to be a perfect website for one person, you. That's not helpful if it's not connecting to your customers. And so fundamentally, every time we start a website build, that's the key thing. What is the business goal? I want to sell widgets. Okay, who are you trying to sell the widgets to? Ding, ding, ding. And that's where we need to start getting into some of those things that we've talked about on some of the other episodes. When we talk about, you know, sort of formulating your business goals and your business strategy, we have to run through those exercises again. Who are my buyers specifically generating those buyer personas? What are the conversions that I need on my website, right? And that's going to be, you know, whether it's buy my widget or call me, contact me via form, you know, subscribe to my email list, whatever those conversions are, list them all out. Because typically you're going to have more than one, you know, you want multiple things to happen, sort of like those little uh, uh, puzzle things where the marbles bounce down through until they find an appropriate hole, right? If I don't catch the sale, then I would at least like to catch the contact. And if I don't catch the contact, maybe I'd like to catch the subscription, right? And then your entire strategy for the website should be to build a user journey between that particular user and the conversion that you're hoping to get them to do. That's a great website. Here are things that are not necessary for that. All of your stuff moves around on the page. Honestly, one of my least favorite trends in design is when you're scrolling down the page and all of the content's sort of floating up into place and shit. That does nothing for the user. Those are what we call vanity effects. They're things that make the website owner feel like they got something cool, but they actually do nothing at all for the conversion level. It's purely a design conceit. And hey, there's a time and place for design conceits. I'm not mad at that. But if it's slowing down your performance and it's not actually helping you achieve your goal, web design is really a place where less is more is a fundamental concept because the less information you have on the page, A, the clearer and easier it is, it's going to be for your user persona to find that thing and to click on it and hopefully make that conversion. But B, it also means that your website's going to load faster. And honestly, People care far more about that than they do about pictures bouncing around the page, especially when you're on a mobile device. And I guarantee that 65 to 70% of your audience is. So yes, designing for mobile has become huge. And especially when you consider if you want to have any sort of international impact, you must be considering mobile. But that's not the rabbit hole I wanted to go down. I wanted to circle back around to the point of the parallax effect with images and things floating up and popping up. Nobody in the history of websites ever went, you know, I was on the fence about Chris, but then as I was scrolling through his website, this picture did this really cool thing. And I went, oh, fuck, he's the guy I got to work with. <laughs> Nobody's ever making a decision based on vanity design on the website. Never. That, that's never the thing that's going to no. make them push the buy button. <laughs> and it's funny because the most successful, most highly trafficked website in the world has a plain white background, a logo, <laughs> and a single input box. That's it. You know, Google gets something like 12 billion visits a day. Because you know exactly what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. So this brings me to a hard one lesson that I learned for myself. And now I take this hard one wisdom and I share it with all the clients that I work with and everybody that we work with through the UFMB community. And that is you have to learn to sacrifice cleverness for clarity. 
because here's the thing that people used to say about my website all the time. Robin, I love your website, but I'm still not exactly sure what you do. That means the website is fucked. That means it was broken. Like, I love that you think it was cool looking. I think it's cool looking, but if you still don't understand what I do or how I can help you, then it's not working, you know? So things as simple as my business is called Launching Your Success. So any button that initiated something was like, launch a call, right? Well, that meant to like request a call, to book a call. But people assumed that launch a call meant you were going to go into a phone call right the fuck now. And so nobody wanted to click the button because they weren't prepared to go into a phone call right now. Clever, but ineffective. (laughs) Clever, but ineffective. And so it like broke my heart. There's this writing doctrine called kill your darlings. And so anyone in the author space, anyone who's done any sort of creative writing, somebody at some point has told you, you got to kill your darlings. And that's the thing that you as the author have fallen in love with. You love it. You think it's so clever, but it's actually holding the narrative back. You know, it's preventing your story from moving forward effectively. And I think a lot of people have websites where they need to go and kill a lot of their darlings. You have things that you think are so fucking cute and clever and nobody gives a shit about them. And they're not inspiring anybody to take any sort of action to work with you. And it's heartbreaking to go through and kill those darlings. I know it is. I've done it. But it's so necessary. Before I killed the darlings, no form was ever filled out on my website. No button was ever clicked. After I killed the darlings, I was actually afraid that somebody was spamming my website because all of a sudden people were filling out the form and I thought it was all fake. But no, it was just, I finally got it right. And so people were actually doing the thing I wanted them to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, you know, when when we uh, at Symphony, we were all about every single website build being custom designed and, and, you know, like all of this focus and emphasis on the design. And it took us a little while to realize that the most important thing that our clients were getting out of that was the actual conversions themselves. You know, we were so used to providing white glove customer service that we were letting the customer lead that conversation, but they just don't have the expertise. Right. And, and the fact is, you know, it, it's I, I kind of laugh a little bit about I never ask for a design review anymore. And I don't because a unless I'm working for a designer, your input is unqualified. There are a few questions that are important, like do you have brand guidelines and such? Those will be, you know, design input that I'm going to take to heart. But I'm not going to ask you about your preference on my use of a 12 column grid. They don't even know what a 12 column grid is. <laughs> right. And a lot of times, like especially junior web developers or, or new web designers in the space, they make that mistake constantly. They don't realize that when you're asking your client for feedback, you're giving them a job. And so, of course, they're going to do that job, but they're going to do it in a highly unqualified way because they don't have the skills to do that job well. And so the first thing that I did, and, and Lauren laughed when I first suggested it, but it's worked a charm. We stopped asking for design feedback. Mm -hmm. We're making recommendations, right? And that's based on our expertise and based on our discussion around your business goals and all the rest of that. When I make a recommendation, I'm not asking you to make a counter recommendation. I'm expecting you to follow the recommendation that I've made because based on my experience, this is the right approach. That's what you're paying me for is my experience and, and my knowledge in this space, you know? So getting people away from that concept And clients will expect that. They expect to be asked for design review. 
And I've managed to shortcut a lot of these processes because honestly, design review from clients is not only unqualified, it's painful because they're emotionally connected to the design. And so if you ask for their feedback and then reject the feedback, it's like, hey, ask me out to dinner. Uh, you want to go out to dinner? No, you ugly. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and that's that's just not a pleasant experience for either person at the table. But one of the things that I think is super, super important to zero in on is the website is a frame. And mind you, you can have, you know, an elegant, thin line black frame that has some nice matting with a black and white photo in the middle. You can have a Baroque ornate gilded frame with a, you know, a Renaissance oil painting in it or something else along that line. But ultimately, it's just the frame. The content is the painting. And if you're too hung up on what the frame looks like, then it's like putting, you know, a child's crayon drawing in a, in a you know, 17th century ornate gilt jeweled frame. What's the point? Yes, the frame looks amazing, but the art is garbage. And the art in this instance is your actual business communication and message and the call to action that's going to turn this visitor into a customer. You're better off having no frame at all. Instead of a frame, we're going to do a stretched canvas on some two by fours, right? Because the art is what's important. That's the key thing. I love that analogy. And I think that's such a better way to say it than like content is king. Because people will forgive a shitty looking frame if they fall in love with the art. You can always replace the frame. And that's the other thing that people don't realize is like, you can always adjust the website. You can always adjust the frame. You can always replace it. But fundamentally, you have to figure out the art. You have to figure out the content. You have to figure out the experience that you want to take this client through. And so the way that I talk about it with folks a lot as well, which I think complements your analogy is that website should replicate as closely as possible what the in-person experience of working with you is like, particularly if you're in the service industry, right? So if you're selling a widget, that's a little more difficult. But if I were to walk into a store that was selling your widgets, there would be a particular experience in that store. You would want to cultivate a culture with your employees and how they interacted with folks in the store. And so your website is a digital replication of that as closely as you can possibly get to what that in-person experience looks like. My favorite example of this is I had this client who was in acupressure and Chinese medicine. And there's many different ways that you can approach being in that industry. And he actually went and studied with folks in China and cultivated sort of a rich, very moody and cultural experience when you walked into his office in person. There was incense, there was all these deep, rich colors. It was very dark, you know, and he really very much crafted an environment that felt rich and cultural when you went into his physical place. His website was on trend because he didn't know any better. And it was clean, crisp edges, lots of white Base, you know, and like, I wish we could insert a record scratch sound here because like the disconnect between the website experience and the in-person experience and to help him understand why it was such a disconnect is there's people who want a very clean clinical experience and there's people who want the rich cultural experience 
And if I go to your website and I see clean and clinical, and then I show up at your office and that's not what I get, oh, I'm pissed, right? Or if I see the website and I don't want that kind of experience, I'm not ever going to visit your store because your website represents something other than what I'm actually going to get if I were to come to your office, right? So who knows how many folks he missed or how many folks he inadvertently pissed off with this huge disconnect between the website experience and the actual in-person experience. So when we talk about like understanding who you're talking to and the journey you want to take them on, that's one of my favorite examples of how the digital journey needs to look and feel as much like the in-person journey as possible. I'll never forget when I was first forming I'm Their Web Guy, I guess I was probably a year or two in and I was, you know, sort of starting to find my ground as a, a web developer and figuring out who my customers were. I was in corporate technology for 15 years before that, and I was used to having to fight battles around business cases internally to get stuff done. And part of how you win those battles is by understanding the entirety of the process and who all it affects, who the principals are, who the customers are internally or externally. And so I, you know, I was very well versed in sort of the business analysis side of that. I was actually a business analyst for the last portion of my corporate career. And so because of that, I, I take that into my web design work or web development work as the case may be. I don't want to know what your tactics are. I want to know what your goals are and then figure out a strategy that helps reach towards those goals. And then from there, the tactics present themselves. You know, you're sort of like picking Scrabble letters out of a bag if you're just starting with tactics. And, and one of the things that, that uh, I, I've, I've mentioned before in some of our WordPress talks is if you ask those questions correctly up front, right? Not only are you going to do a better job of creating something that's actually functional for the business, but as a web designer, you're, you're probably actually going to get a little bit more money out of it. Because typically, if you can see the big picture and you can build something that really, truly brings value to that business and solves more problems than they expected, you might find that their budget gets a little bit more flexible when you start outlining, well, we can also solve this problem. We can also solve this problem. You know? But th that's how the customers always come. They always come with tactics, right? And Instead of that, you know, and, and I'll encourage everybody who's out there who's who's going through the process of trying to get a website built. I'm going to try and flip this around and, and speak to y'all from, from your perspective here. Don't go to a developer and say, I want a slideshow on the homepage of my website, right? That is a tactic. And it's not even a good tactic, all things considered. It's been off trend for, for a hot minute. But every time you think, oh, I would like this on my site or I would like that on my site, I want you to take a step back from that thing and go, okay, what am I actually trying to achieve here, right? Because when we go through those things, here's some of the, uh, the, the questions that I've translated in the past. I want a slider on my website. What they really mean is I think there's a lot of, like there's multiple things that are important that I want the, the user to see immediately. And I think that they're of such equal importance that I want them all up as part of that initial view. Now, that in itself may not even be a correct assumption, right? So that is a strategy. And at least you're now you're thinking from a strategy perspective. But the real question is, is that actually the case? Is that actually, does that actually get us towards the goal of what those things are? 
when you have clients or if you're asking, hey, I need all these things in our top level navigation. That's a common one, right? I try and keep top level navigation to about five to six options. We want to keep it nice, clean, super high level, and know all of those pages don't need to be there. What you're saying is there's a number of pieces of content on the site that I think are going to be important to make a sale. And maybe you're right. However, we don't address that by throwing all of those options at the user right off the bat. What we do is we create a user journey that's based on taking this particular buyer persona or user persona to a desired conversion. That doesn't all have to be from the top of the page. And as a matter of fact, most of the best user journeys aren't going to be. You want to get them to a starting point that's catered to what kind of a user they are and think about what their questions are going to be, what their resistance points are going to be, what their pain points are going to be, and construct maybe even a multi-page journey that helps them like answer all those questions and become comfortable and sort of shepherd them towards the sale. And my God, you do not need everything on the homepage of your website, and you do not need all of your pages in the main navigation. You just don't. The fewer options you provide the user that gets them to their actual goal, the better off you are. So if we continue to put ourselves in the client's shoes and give people actionable mindset shifts here, right? Most people are coming with the intent of you have created a vision in your mind of what you want your website to look like. But that is not the thing that's going to help someone build you the website that you need. And so instead, as difficult as it can be, you need to put that vision aside and instead think about what are the results that I want my website to generate for my business, right? And how do my customers currently get there? And where are they coming from? So when Chris talks about the user journey, the customer journey, the results is where you want them to end up at. But if you don't know where they're starting from, that's when you end up trying to cram too many things into that user navigation, right? So you may have an excellent, highly read blog, but that doesn't mean that your blog needs to be in the navigation, (laughs) right? So it's really important to understand where most folks are going to start the journey to discovering you and deciding that you're the person that they want to do business with, or you're the product that they want to buy. And so go do that research on your own business. Look at how people are discovering you. Where do they start that journey? Is it coming from a Google search? Then SEO is probably going to be wildly important to you. Is it starting from links from your social media, right? And you can go and look at your current website analytics. And if you haven't set up Google analytics for your business, do that right the fuck now. And if you don't know how to do that, you can hire somebody for a couple hundred bucks to set that up and connect all the things, right? In order to make smart decisions so that you can have a website that really does get you the results that you're looking for, you need to start looking at what do I currently have and how is it currently being used? How are people currently finding me? And data doesn't necessarily have to be digital data either. Go back and think about the experiences. What do you have anecdotally that you can put together to define a user journey and a trend line? I get really nerdy about data. There's all sorts of ways to gather the data. But if you don't gather the data, every decision you make is a guess. It's a guess based on what you hope is right. (laughs) And I'd rather start with like, crappy data than no data at all. 
right? Because at least crappy data is going to give me, you know, an educated guess rather than complete and total fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like that's just even one portion of the data, right? Because good analytics are, are critical. You cannot effectively improve the conversion rate of your website if you don't have good analytics. And that means how much traffic am I getting? Where is the traffic coming from? How much time are they spending on the website? And then conversion mapping itself. When people come in and finally get to that conversion point, where did they come from and what was the path that they took to get there, right? Because your goal is to make it as simple as possible to get to that conversion point. And I'm going to circle back on that in a second. But one other thing is measuring the actual physical user behavior on the website itself. I mean, you've got tools like Crazy Egg and Hotjar which are going to show you clusters of where people's mouses are moving or, or, or what things they're focusing on. Or, or you can actually record some sessions to see how people are interacting with a site. If you've got some, uh, you know, some place in your user journey that's causing some hangups, like calling it launch call, you know, <laughs> user behavior measurement helps see those things, helps visualize them in a way that makes it easier for you to resolve those problems. But I want to get back to the concept of don't make it fucking hard to do business with you. And a lot of websites do this. They are so terrible at it. And I've seen business owners insist, well, it's a complex product, so I need them to go through a series of complex steps. Why? No. What if they just want to call you, right? Wouldn't you rather have them skip all of that and just get in touch with you immediately and you can walk them through those steps? Isn't that going to make for a better sales process, you know? And maybe it is, maybe it's not. That's going to depend on your business but don't make it hard for them to do business with you. And and one of the things that I try to put in place in a lot of uh, user journey strategies is what I call the pyramid of conversions, right? And that tip of the point, that very, very top of the pyramid is they know who you are, they know what you do, they're coming to your website to do business with you. Those are the people that I want to close within three seconds of their landing on my page. And the hero of my website is fundamentally dedicated to them a strong value statement that indicates you know what the problem is what our solution is you know and helps engender some authority and some trust immediately with a big strong clear call to action to start doing business with me right now okay if you're not that ready to buy maybe there's a couple of questions that you have well you're not sure about how some services work or you're not sure about pricing or things along that line so we start to expand from that single clear point to maybe a three column layout or something, a little broader selection of data, which may help immediately answer that question. And then hit them with a call to action again, because maybe after that little bit of introductory data, now they've got what they need to do business, right? And if we're past both of those stages and and they haven't triggered that conversion action yet, well, maybe they're just browsing around and shopping and they want to do a deep dive, or maybe this topic is entirely new to them and they're not even sure if you're a solution or they're not even sure what the problem is. And so you begin expanding that information into broader and broader categories to, to help keep them in the, in the hook, right? But then you also start moving to potentially secondary conversions, which would be getting them in your audience, obviously, because you want to keep them in that sphere for multiple touches. So maybe you're adding social media in there, maybe you're adding email subscription fields, something along that line. 
But, you know, the farther down that page that you're going or the farther into that user journey that you're going, if it's not moving towards a focused conversion, it should be broadening out the information that's available. But if you start with that tip of the pyramid all the time, everywhere, you're going to be making it easy for those customers to do business with you. Maybe they don't convert on the first visit to the site at all, but maybe three emails down the road, you know, two quarters later, they come back to the site and they've been exposed to this topic enough now that your hero section at the top immediately resonates and they're ready to make the sale. My friend Michael Novilla is constantly complaining about websites that make it hard to do business with them because like he knows what he wants when he's going to the website. He is, you know, generally a very focused, strongly opinionated and ready to take action kind of person. So, you know, when he hits it, he's not randomly browsing. He's probably already talked to multiple people. He's gotten referrals. He's heard about this from some aggregate website that's pointing to it. When he goes to that site, he's ready to move on it, you know have that landing ready for them. If they are jumping out of the plane towards your business, you know, make sure that that giant trampoline is set up ready to grab them in and, and uh, let them land safely, you know? Couple of quick tips related to that. If you are a product, don't make me click through multiple pages to buy the product. Mm -hmm. Let me go directly to buy the product. If you're delivering some sort of digital product, and, and I don't normally speak in hyperbolic terms about these types of things because like there's exceptions for everything. There's no fucking exception for this. If you're giving me a digital product, I want to click buy. If I can't download it right now, then it better be in the email that's waiting for me in my inbox. If I have to open that email and click another link to go to another fucking page to download this digital product, I hate you. And I'm never going to buy from you again because that is such a waste of time. If you're a SaaS company, don't hide your pricing. Don't make me go on a hunt for your pricing. Your pricing is what your pricing is. I can either afford your software or I can't. Don't fucking hide it. Oh God, that drives me crazy. I hate that so much. Don't make people dig and work so hard to figure out how to pay you. Okay, make it obvious. And if you don't want to put your pricing, then tell me how I get your pricing, right? Put it all out there. That's the thing that drives me crazy. One other thing I wanted to mention when it comes to making things easy, and this is where we come back to the idea of understanding the data and the customer journey. If you know that you have a very specific referral source that a lot of your customers come from, dedicate a page on your website specifically for that referral source. So that when I land there, I feel so seen. I feel so welcomed. Hell yeah. I feel like you already know me because you're speaking to exactly where I came from and exactly how I discovered you. So I had a client who has a very strong referral source. It's like 50% of her clientele. They don't need all of the stuff that's on her homepage. They've been given a direct referral, right? So it's like, hello, thanks so much. So glad that you came here from such and such. Here's exactly how I can help you. And here's exactly what it costs. Click here to start now, right? Like speak directly to the experience that you know these people are having coming from that direct referral source, right? That is paid off huge for me personally. And I've seen it pay off time and time again for the folks that I have worked with. And I don't mean like, you know, 2% of your traffic is coming from this, you know, no. I mean like you have a very specific dedicated referral source from something you participated in or something you've set up with some other company or some other person, dedicate a page to that and make sure that they're referring that specific page link and those conversions gonna go through the roof. 
And that also is, is applicable for when you're doing targeted uh, advertising campaigns on platforms, right? Mm -hmm. Don't drive them to the homepage. That's utterly, utterly useless, right? Have, have a slash Facebook, have a slash Reddit, have it, you know, set, set up dedicated standalone pages that, that really speak to that audience. I mean, one of the things that worked really well with Reddit forever was, hey, Redditors, as the big, you know, landing page text at the top, they immediately feel seen, even, even though the most cynical of us are like, okay, this is marketing, I get it, you know, but immediately you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Redditor. And now I've connected to your site in some way. I felt like there was some personal connection, you know? Absolutely. I mean, if you're listening to this show right now, chances are you listen to other podcasts. You probably listen to some larger podcasts that have advertising. And when you go to the links that those podcasts tell you to go to, chances are you're going to a specialized landing page that was set up for that show and that product. Right. And, and does that mean that in some cases you're going to have 40 landing pages? Maybe if you're big enough, but those 40 different referral chains are going to feel much more welcomed, much more seen, much more focused on. And, and if you sent them all to the homepage, your conversion rate would be garbage. I can't champion that one enough. So I think one of the last things that we should probably talk about a little bit is how do you hire a web developer or a, a good web design agency, whatever the case may be. And that's, that's something that's very challenging because as a consumer, you know, or, or a business owner or whatever the case, like, however, whatever particular perspective you're coming from, you probably aren't technically qualified to, to be able to tell the difference between your accountant's cousin, Joe, who's built some websites for people before and, you know, a $5 million a year web development agency you aren't qualified to be able to tell the difference between those two things. And I've had people before, you know, they would get a quote for some amount, you know, let's just call it, I don't know, 10,000 or whatever. And they'd be like, what? Uh, my friend can build it for 500 bucks, you know? And, and they really fundamentally don't have the knowledge, you fundamentally don't have the knowledge to be able to tell the difference between those two things. And maybe the $500 website is enough for you. I mean, that's that's a possibility as well, but you just don't have a, any good mechanism for determining what exactly you need along the way. So there are some questions that you should be asking. You shouldn't be coming in with, you know, I, I want a slider on the homepage. What you should be asking are, you know, what kind of business problems do you solve? What other kind of businesses do you work with and, and how do you improve their conversions? ask about performance, ask about security. These are really, really critical things. What do you guys do to help make sure that my website will load fast? How do you make sure that my website isn't going to get hacked or, or malware exploits, you know? And, you know, what's the planning process? Because that's that's probably the single most important part of it. And, you know, a company that who exists simply to, you know, slap up some predefined template may not be uh, the, the company that you need. You may need something that's a little bit more dedicated. But hey, if you just need to have some social proof or something along that line, or it's your first foray into the web, maybe that is enough. But having those conversations up front and being open about those, those topics with your developer is going to get you a better outcome no matter what. I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that a $99 Cousin Joe website build is going to be garbage 100% of the time because, hey, if you're Tom's lawn service and your whole goal is to get a page up and have your phone number on it so people can find you online and you can put that link on your Facebook profile, 
pay the 99 bucks, go to it, mission solved. You know, it's not about how much you spend. It's not about how complicated it is or anything else. It's about the goals of the business. And if the web designer that you're working with isn't asking those questions, you should be putting those things front and center and make sure those questions get answered because it's the most critical component of your entire website. I think the thing that I'd like to add to that is that with a lot of things, application is key. To use Chris's example, the $99 Cousin Joe website, right? If Cousin Joe knows a particular platform inside and out and can figure out how to squeeze every ounce of value out of that $99, that's different than someone who's just going to go, what do you want the title to be? What do you want this to look like, <laughs> right? I think no matter what, you don't want an order taker. And you know order takers because they want you to answer every question. They want you to tell them where everything is. They would even want you to go, do you want me to dot this I? Do you want me to cross this T, right? And if you've got someone asking you those kind of questions, that's an order taker. And you're going to get a website that looks like an order taker built it, right? You want someone who's asking you questions about a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. What do you want this to do, right? When you go talk to folks, you're going to get a lot of opinions about never use this company, never use that company. You should <laughs> only use this company. And I'm here to tell you, use whatever you're comfortable with, right? Sometimes a Wix website looks like a Wix website. That's because the person who built it didn't know what they were doing, didn't know how to squeeze the value out of it. But sometimes a Wix website looks fucking amazing and converts really well if somebody knows what they're doing with it. So if all you can afford is Wix, go hire someone in the Wix designer category who knows how to squeeze every fucking ounce of value out of that Wix website and you'll get something that's going to fool the WordPress snobs out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not me, but. Probably not you, but right. But there is no, there's a lot of people out there who are going to tell you. And, and I think this is really important because some people, you know, like you said, Chris, they have very specific goals, right? They're not these huge lofty goals, you know, and maybe you're the type of person who you don't have a staff. You need to be able to know that you're the one who can go in and fix a little something that's broken, right? And if somebody builds you something complicated and you can't fix it yourself, then you're on the hook all the time, Right. And maybe you don't need that. Or maybe you're the person who does need someone to maintain and manage that website for you because you're not capable of or don't have time to, right? So I won't shit on the build-it-yourself platforms because I've seen people, I've done some amazing things with the build-it-yourself platforms and I've seen other people do some amazing things with it. And I know it can be done. And so if that's what you want to work with, work with it. Just make sure you're getting someone to work with it who knows how to make it work on your behalf. That's the important thing. As with anything else, don't settle for a template. Never settle for a template. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes all you can get is a $500 website. But if you can make that $500 website look like a $5,000 website, kudos, go for it. But if you don't know what you want and you don't know who you're talking to and you don't ask the right questions when you hire someone, a $500 website is going to look like a $500 website and it's not going to help your business. 100%. And again, it's never the price. It's really never the price. I mean, mm -hmm. the price is, is a factor of what your budget is and the scale of your business and all the rest of that. And, and your, your budget should be larger if the scale of your business is larger because you're going to have larger problems to solve, you know? Yes. But really fundamentally, it's about the expertise of that developer or designer coming to the table to help solve business problems and meet business goals that you've established up front 
that you've built a strategy around and that that expert that you're hiring has now suggested specific tactics to achieve that strategy. That is the single most important combination of events for you to have a good website. Now, on the way out, I want you to check the show notes because for those of you who do have an existing WordPress website that's fucked on any of the topics that I've discussed earlier, whether it is security, whether it's performance, whether it's tracking user behavior and trying to figure out why people aren't buying or selling on the site, check the show notes. I'm going to provide a list of links in there for plugins and services that I recommend. And hopefully that will help you get your website unfucked ahead of your next build because you're always going to build another one. But for all of you unfuckers out there, uh, this is Chris and Robin, and uh, I hope that you get your website in uh, good order and we will see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode and go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.